You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlick. Amen. Good morning, and thank you for worshiping with us this morning. I, one of my greatest prayers for Renovation Church is that we would be a place of worship. I really believe when we worship the Lord, his presence shows up, that he changes everything. And it's one of the reasons I think why worship is such a vital thing, honestly, is because more and more as Christians, the thing that makes us different is, is God. He's the one who transforms us. And I really believe with all of my heart that the spirit of God, which is so different from anything in the world, that when someone's in the world and they experience for a moment God's presence, when they experience for a moment, it's almost like this tangible element of who God is, that it is, it, it's, you can't help but be moved by that. And so one of the reasons why I pray so often that Renovation Church would be a place of worship is honestly, I don't care about a show. That's not a big deal for me. I don't even care about names or who's most important. What I really care about is God's presence and someone who has not ever encountered that, when they do, it's transforming. And I know that worship has been a powerful time for us at Renovation Church and God does a lot of ministry in that time. Ultimately, my prayer is that God would be glorified and that people would be moved by him. And that's my prayer for worship. I don't even know why I got into that. It just was on my heart. A couple things, guys. Really cool. Last week, we started launching Renovation Church podcast. So if you have Spotify or Apple and you uh, go to Renovation Church, you can see our, our logo in there. We're actually Sunday morning messages are on the podcast. Here why this is, this is why it's so cool for me. We have two locations, one in Greenville, one right here, and the strategy that we're using for multiple locations is that we have a live speaker at each location. And Greenville today is also in a prayer series, but Matt, who's the teaching pastor over there, he's a phenomenal communicator. In a lot of ways, man, he is one of the best communicators that I've known in person. He's incredible, he's a better preacher than I am, and I really mean that. He has an incredible gift from God that the podcast, that his messages are now coming online. And so you can listen to not just Sunday mornings at Renovation Simpsonville, you can listen to what God's doing in Renovation Greenville. And it's really, really cool. And so by the way, right now, if you're listening on a podcast, I need to remember this because I do a lot of pictures in my messages. And if you're in a podcast, you have no idea what may be happening live. So I have to like remind myself now that we're doing the podcast thing. Uh, You might be working out right now at this moment. You might be driving to work. You might be falling asleep. This is your way to fall asleep is listen to Pastor Jeremy drone on and on and on and on. Now that I just said you're falling asleep, now you're wide awake and staring at the ceiling. All right, anyway, I don't know idea what this guy, whoever that might be for. I'm so glad that you guys are here. So podcasts, Renovation Church podcasts, those are online and you can participate. I'll get those every week, which is really, really cool. Not just Simpsonville, but Greenville as well. The next thing is this. I mentioned this last week, but um, Bethlehem Baptist, a church down the road, has invited me to be one of the speakers at their men's conference. I told you guys last week that they took a new uh, headshot of me here in the church we did. We sent it over to them. I want you to, they sent me the updated flyer, and I want you to know, come on. It's called Man Cave, and really, we're we're talking about Elijah and uh, coming out of the cave with the Lord. It's going to be really, really powerful. Man, I'm telling you something. He was itching to get a new picture from me because the one that I had before, I was such a scrub. But I would love 
to invite you men to participate in this. It's $30. You can register at uh, Facebook or on Eventbrite for the men's conference. And I'm hopefully going to have some flyers for you guys next Sunday. But this is not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. And I thought it'd be really cool if some men from Innovation Church uh, were able to show up this weekend. I am speaking Saturday morning. Um, I, and so I'm just really excited about what God is doing. But I'll be there Friday night as well just to celebrate. I really believe with all of my heart that when churches come together, God does incredible things. And I just, it's a true honor of mine that I get a chance to do this and that they've invited me and that they, by the way, I want you to, let me tell you something. When we started out, they opened their doors for us to have a preschool in their, they had an academy and they closed their academy down. They had this entire wing of this beautiful building that they weren't using. And they asked us if we were interested in launching a preschool there. We said, absolutely. And this was back in 2015, if y'all can remember 2015. And in 2015, they, were, they, they leased the entire wing of the building to us for $2,000 a month. It is now 2022, I had to remind myself of that, I'm like, I think it's 2022. Anyway, flying cars are not here, but, but years have passed. They still lease that same space to us for $2,000 a month. And one of the things that we have done as Renovation Church is we give them extra blessings. But not once has, has Bethlehem Baptist ever come back to us and said, we need to raise the rent, we need to raise the lease, we need to do all that. In fact, if anything, they have been so gracious with us. And I just, it's just a true a, a kingdom of God working together is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But anyway, there's the flyer, there it is. Speaking uh, next, not next weekend, but the weekend after that. Super excited about that. All right, let's get into the message. The title of the message this morning is simply this, Father Knows Best. Father Knows Best. And we're in a prayer series and we're talking about the Lord's Prayer. And Listen, I want to encourage you, if you can, each week builds on top of the week before. And so if you didn't get a chance to hear last week's message, uh, you can go to the podcast or you can go online and watch the, watch the message or listen to the message. But today's message really is building on last week's message as we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. In fact, what I like to do is put the Lord's Prayer on the screen. Normally, I read from the New Living Translation. We're going to get up the Lord's Prayer there in a second, but there it is. Normally, I read from the New Living Translation, um, but for the Lord's Prayer, because most people know this in the King James, what I want to do is I want us to read this together, and I'm going to keep it in the King James for this series. So here we are. Ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's an awesome prayer. They asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, go into your prayer closet. Don't babble on like in the streets. And when you get in there, here's an example. Here's a model prayer that you can pray. And he starts off last week by saying, our father, which art in heaven. And we talked about that last Sunday. Uh, and so the title of the message again is Father Knows Best. I want to start off with the passage of scripture. This is Jesus talking in Matthew 7. Um, and, and Jesus simply says this. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake 
Or if they ask for chicken nuggets, do you give them not chicken nuggets? Anyway, that's just our household. Anyway, all right. So, of course not. So, so by the way, look. So this is Jesus, by the way, calling us, you sinful people, or calling people, you sinful people. So if you sinful people, by the way, he did everything in love. I just, sometimes Jesus is really funny. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants us to ask, okay? That's an important piece of this. Now, I told you before that the 10 commandments, when you look at those in the Old Testament, there's, there's two ways that you can divide the 10 commandments up. The first four of the 10 commandments have to do with our relationship with God, keeping the Sabbath holy, not taking God's name in vain, but the remaining six commandments have to do with our relationship with each other. In the same way, the Lord's Prayer can really be divided up into two sections. It starts with praise. It starts with praising God's name and how powerful and how awesome he is, and then it ends in praise. And so it ends with thine is the kingdom and the power forever, and so it starts with praise and it ends with praise. In the middle of the Lord's Prayer, which is the part we're gonna start diving into right now, it's petition. It's asking God for something. It's asking him to do something. It's asking him to work and asking him to move. And so really the prayer is a sandwich. And if you want to know how to pray, just follow that same method. Start with praising God. I promise you when you start praying by praising God first, it will change how you pray. Because when you start focusing on how good and how awesome and how mighty God is, it will give you the faith to believe the, the things that, that, God, that you can actually believe that God can do. So when you start with praise and you end with praise, this Lord's Prayer does this, it models it. The middle of this is petition, it's petition. And so I wanna highlight the phrase that we're gonna look at this week. It's simply this, ready? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is the first petition that Jesus models for us. And it sounds awesome, but really what does this mean for us today? I have three questions. The first question that I wanna ask as a part of this prayer series is, is it selfish to ask? Is it selfish to ask? I think when it comes to prayer, I think sometimes either we go to prayer and we feel like we're not worthy, we're not as spiritual as other people, and so we feel like God's never gonna answer our prayers because we're not as Christian as those that we see around us. That's a real thing. The other thing sometimes too is we barter with God. We're, we feel bad because we haven't really spent a lot of time with God lately, and so we're like, okay, God, I'll do this if you do this. How many prayers started with, okay, God, if you come through on this situation, I'll come through on this one. It's amazing. I've done that in my life. I know that you have too in certain situations. And so prayer sometimes can be this way, but, but what does this thy kingdom come and thy will be done mean? Look, I want you to know something. Ready? It is not selfish to ask whatsoever. God actually wants you to ask. In the verse we just finished reading, Jesus literally says, ask, ask me. My wife and I have three kids. We have 12, nine, and four. And my, my, my son just turned four, so he had his birthday party. I told you we gave him marbles. That was the worst gift I've ever given any of my kids. The dumbest thing I've ever done because marbles actually right now are laying in all kinds of crevices around our house. I've stopped picking them up because I can't win. They're just there. I'm, that's true, I'm just telling you right now. They're just there. They're in different places. Maybe in years we'll discover down the road where all the marbles went. That was an awful gift. I recommend nobody give their three turning four-year-old son marbles. The other present that we gave our son, 
are these things. And for podcast people, these are called sticky hands. And sticky hands, in the, for those of you who can't see this, is basically not an expensive gift that you can get your kid. By the way, I've noticed a trend that when they're little, you can buy them expensive gifts, but it's the cheap gift from the dollar store that they play with the most. It's ridiculous, by the way. Anyway, so we gave him sticky hands. And sticky hands is like this gooey little hand that you can fling around. This has become like currency in our household. Because our four, we didn't give him obviously all at once. We give him a couple. And every day, he's like, can I get a sticky hand? And, and so our, our house is full of sticky hands everywhere. And, and I'm pulling a sticky hand out. I think I should have opened this before I did this because, hold on, harder to open than I thought. Shouldn't be. Okay. There we go. The sticky hand. And man, he'll sit and debate. And then my other son has a sticky hand. And the sticky hand, you can fling around. And by the way, it sticks stuff. That's why it's called sticky hand. And so it's impressive. Hold on. I got over here. I'm going to the drum cage. And I'm going to just. This is like currency in our house. And anyway, anybody? Anybody want a sticky hand, by the way? Come on, right here. Oh, all of y'all want sticky hands. Oh, horrible throat. Sorry. Sorry, Chris. Oh, come on, O'Hara. All right. Sticky hand. <laughs> You're like, Pastor, what does this have to do with anything? Don't, don't worry. I'm getting to it. I just wanted to get a sticky hand. Actually, hold on. Now, this next part has nothing to do with anything, but I want to show you anyway. Literally nothing to do with anything, but I, my four-year-old, I had to put him in timeout. Uh, this is uh, like two days ago. And I want to show you my, my, my daughter and I have come with like, we're trying to get the pictures because he is, his exp- he's so expressive. So him and I, her, my daughter and I are in a competition of who can capture him. Hey, here's my son. I just put him in timeout. <laughs> this is him looking at me like, why are you doing this? Here's the next picture. I want to just say this. Why? <laughs> now, the creme de la creme is, a, is this last one, which is the amount of shade. <laughs> anyway. He is shading me. That, that's like a corner of his, anyway. I don't, that had nothing to do with anything, by the way. That had nothing to do with anything. Let me tell you something that all of my kids have in common. Ready? They're all different from each other. They're all wired differently. They all can behave differently sometimes, but they all have one thing in common. All of my kids have never been afraid to ask Jess and I for anything. My son Two sons and my daughter have never been afraid to ask mom and me for something. They've all come in with boldness to say, can I have, can I have, can I have? In fact, right now, every day my son comes to us, can I have, can I have the sticky hand? Can I have the sticky hand? Can I have the sticky hand? For the love, you can have the sticky hand if you stop asking for the sticky hand. They've never been afraid to ask. Now, to understand this part of the prayer You have to understand this part of the prayer by first understanding that Jesus' mission was to not just save us from our sins, but to return us to our Father. And then Jesus, and there's so many scriptures, and then Jesus, later on, he says this, I would hope that you would have the faith like a... None of my kids are ever afraid to ask. They're not. Because they know they have a relationship with their dad and their mom. My point is this. Jesus starts with praise and then he goes into a petition. But the reason why he wants us, listen, the petition matters. God is not worried about you and I asking for anything. It matters that it's in context because we're asking our dad. Our father who is in heaven, ready? 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so the relationship is really, really, really important. It's not selfish to ask. In fact, let me tell you something, ready? God wants us to depend on him. He says, ask me. I'm here. I'm your father. I want you to walk with me. I want you to know it is not selfish to ask. It's actually good to ask because God wants us to depend on him. Last Sunday, after second service was over, I'm in here in the sanctuary talking with some people, doing some ministry in my, hold on. Okay. That was almost going to be a thing for the rest of the message. You were going to look at that the entire time and lose focus. All right. And so was I. Sticky hand on the, on the foot. All right. Anyway, last Sunday after second service, I get a, uh, uh, service was over. I'm in here sanctuary talking to, uh, just talking with some different people. Uh, and my wife calls me and I can tell that, that she's not at a, not doing well. And so I was like, okay, what's going on? That weekend, last weekend, my wife had started having pain several days prior. And the pain, the, the pain, that's a Greek word for, anyway, the pain had progressed. And she has an incredibly high pain tolerance. And so, preached that morning. She brought the kids to church. She had a meeting in second service. She's home. And then I'm, I'm here at the end of kind of winding down the Sunday afternoon. And I get a call from her. And she says, I'm in severe pain. I think I need to go to the emergency room. Can you please come home? So I immediately hung up. I went home. The kids, they had just gotten home. I picked my wife up and I dropped her off at Hillcrest right down the road from here and right down the road from our house. And by the way, they got her right in. We thought that she might be having appendicitis and so we didn't know if she needed an appendectomy and so that's what we thought, but we weren't sure. And so they started running tests. I had my kids who could not go into the hospital and so they hadn't eaten, so I took them to lunch. I even saw some people from church at the restaurant that we were eating at. And I had just dropped my wife off at the emergency room and I wasn't sure what was gonna happen next and I had my 12 and my, and my nine and my four-year-old. We prayed for her. And I'm here to tell you something. God wasn't like, why are you praying for her? What are you doing, Jeremy? Why are you wasting your time? I'm here to, listen, listen to me. God wants you to ask him for the things that you need. Because he is your father. I think sometimes shame gets in our way because we think that we're not as good at kids as other kids that God has. And I'm here to tell you something. Every single one of you, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you are God's son and you are God's daughter. And he loves you like he loves his own son. So this is massive. He wants you to ask. By the way, test came back. Uh, my wife ended up being okay. She came home and now we're just gonna get the medical bill in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <laughs> so you know what I'm gonna do? Jesus, help with the medical bill. Hallelujah. You were with my wife in the name and the glory. And I'll say this, by the way, my wife was checked into the emergency room five minutes from getting in there and an hour and a half later, she was able to get checked out. And they ran a test. The doctor saw her within 10 minutes of being in the emergency room. Y'all don't know, hallelujah, that God answers prayers. And my wife was able to come home. My point is, is this. Don't ever let the enemy tell you that you can't ask God for something. Did you hear what Jesus says? You have because you don't ask. What would our lives be like if we actually really started asking God? Now here's the thing though, ready? When the Lord's Prayer starts the petition side of this, he starts off with, 
the petition, the asking God for something that beats all other things because this asking that Jesus models for us in the Lord's Prayer actually helps set up the rest of the petitions that are in the Lord's Prayer that we're gonna look at over the following weeks. He asked God for his kingdom to come and, and, and for his will to be done. And, and so here's the thing, when we go to ask God for something, we have to understand that when we ask God for him to show up into our lives, that let me just, let me say this way, right? I have a, I have a point with this. Uh, God wants us to depend on him. Here's the next thing I want you to see, and then I'm gonna explain this. I've come to realize that the more time we spend with God, the more our asking changes. The first thing that Jesus, when he modeled the prayer that we can use, is he simply said this, God, what I ask for first and foremost above anything else, God, is that you show up. And when you show up, God, you're gonna change everything. And what I've realized in my life is that the more that God shows up in our life, the more it affects how we ask God for things. I'm gonna do a lot of stories from being a missionary today. Well, a lot, a couple. But one of the things that when my wife and I were living overseas, we lived in the country of Nicaragua and Central America. One of the things that was heartbreaking was seeing people in the streets. Nicaragua was, is a severely impoverished nation. In fact, it's the second most impoverished nation in the entire Western Hemisphere. So North, Central, and South America, Nicaragua is right behind Haiti in, in poverty indexes. And so we're living in the capital city and incredible poverty everywhere. It's heartbreaking to see. And one of the trends that we saw in the country that we were living in is people in these incredibly impoverished states would become addicted to sniffing glue or they'd drink alcohol, but they would sniff glue because it was cheap, it was cheap to get. And when you sniffed glue, it would remove hunger pains from your life. And so you didn't have money to buy eat. Now I want you to imagine for a second something that most people in this room or listening have really had, probably have not had to deal with. Imagine for a second that you have no idea where your next meal is gonna come from or when your next meal is gonna come. All of us probably actually plan out our day. We might, you might have even already meal prepped. Put yourself in a place where you have no idea where your next meal is going to come from and you have zero resources to try and actually get it. It shapes the way you think, it shapes your decisions, and it's unbelievably heartbreaking. And so here we find ourselves in Nicaragua and you would see, because they would be wandering on the streets sometimes and they would lose track. They had no sense of time and they would sniff glue and they would drink as much as they could because it was cheaper to do that than it was to actually get food sometimes. And so they would become addicted to this stuff and it was an unbelievably heartbreaking scene to see. In fact, in our, in our ministry that, that we had down there in Nicaragua, we had a youth thing on Saturday nights. One of the youth kids that came to, to one of our events uh, uh, all the kids were outside playing soccer. This is before the service started. And he was in the main auditorium and he had literally collapsed on the floor and, 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 and fainted. And, and so we called emergency services. Emergency services came and picked him up. And while they're on the way out, they gave him Narcan and resuscitated him. And he lived in an unbelievably broken situation. And he started coming to church because we started giving out food after the service was over. And so here he is collapsed on the floor and it was unbelievably broken and we took, him, we took him to where he lived and that night he walked back and even though we had given him food, he walked back to get more food that night from service. And the reason I bring this up is because there was a family that, that adopted a young boy who grew up in one of these environments that was so broken and difficult. And they had several kids in their home and they bring this young boy into their house 
And it, it was weird because at, at meal times, when he would come to do a meal, this is someone that was not used to always getting fed. When mealtime would come, he would pile his plate so high with food and he would like protect it with his life because in his little brain, he was so unused to knowing, I'm gonna have a next meal, I'm gonna have a next meal. He had to stuff himself to the max because in his little brain's thinking, he had no idea when the next meal would actually come. And it took this family several months of him, them loving him and then just saying it's okay to begin to change the way that he thinks so that he would know, by the way, you just had lunch and by the way, dinner's on the way, it's coming. And then after a while, what began to happen is his behavior began to change around the mealtimes and he got simply what he would eat at that moment, knowing that he would have food later on because he saw that meal food was provided. I'm here to tell you something. You and I, we live in a very broken, broken world. And out of all the things that God could call himself to us, he calls us his father. And I'm here to tell you something. Your father says, ask me and I will give it to you. And I think one of the reasons why we don't ask is because we're so used to doing life on our own. We're so used to getting our own thing and holding on tightly. I'm here to tell you something, ready? God is able and he has all the resources available at his fingertips. And when God is for you, who can be against you? And how would our prayers change if we realize, okay, God, my father, you are for me. You're for my marriage. You're for my kids. You're, you're, you're for my community. You're for my job. What would make a difference if we stopped? It would change the way that we thought, even change the way that we prayed. God is not afraid of you asking. In fact, he wants you to ask. The reason you don't have is maybe because you're not asking. But the very first petition that we can ask is, God, I ask that you show up. It's not selfish to ask, but I'm here to tell you something. The more time that you spend with God, it's gonna rewire the way that you pray about things because God's gonna give you his heart over things. You're gonna love people. You know, you have someone that you don't like. All of us do, by the way. You Facebook stalk them or Instagram stalk them. And every time that you see them, you're like, Ugh. start praying for them. Do you know what's gonna begin to happen when you start praying for them? Now don't pray for lightning bolts. That's not the prayer I'm talking about. <laughs> Lord, please, if they could fall into a ditch, hallelujah. Let it be your will. No? Okay, Lord. I pray, for the, I pray for that person in their family. I pray for that person in their life. You know what begins to happen? You will begin to see that person differently. My point is this, is that before, listen, the more time we spend with God, he changes the way that we think about things. You know what we're doing? We're asking for God's kingdom to come, ready? And not our kingdom. So we ask for these things. Let me, let me ask another question, ready? Is it selfish to ask? Absolutely not. Here's the other question I wanna ask, ready? What does thy kingdom come actually mean? And this is a really important question because when I grew up in church, when I read this for a long time, it always sounded to me like thy kingdom come is future tense. Lord, I pray that your kingdom one day will come. And I have these apocalyptic images of Jesus coming in like a sword and like, I'm coming to establish my kingdom. And so we would think, okay, Lord, we're praying for your kingdom to come. Come with your sword. Set everybody right. Every, in that enemy you don't like, Lord, bring your sword. Hallelujah. Set them right. That's what it would seem like. But in the Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, that's actually not completely correct. Now, to understand this, so I'll say this. I've lived in seven countries, and when I was born, 
I was born in Bolivia, where they speak Spanish. My parents are from the U.S., so I spoke English in the home. Where I was born in Bolivia, we served, my parents served in a deaf community, so I learned sign language, and then we were surrounded by native Quechua Indians, so I learned Quechua as a kid. Four languages. And I'll tell you this with four languages. By the way, I've lost two of them. And so my parents, if they want to say something without me understanding, they speak sign language. I have no idea what's happening. And so, but anyway, having grown up, I... In English, there are only three tenses. There is past, there's present, and there is future. And I was horrible at grammar in school. I'm here to tell you something. If it's, and grammar in English is fairly easy comparatively because there are 14 tenses in Spanish. You can have the past imperfect or the, fu- the future, the future, imper- whatever it is, I can't even remember it. I blocked it out of my brain because it's so traumatic. I'm like, Lord, no, I don't remember. 14 different tenses. So I want to explain what does this kingdom come means because it really, really matters. Ready? First of all, if you read the gospels, Jesus says over and over again, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is here. So the kingdom coming is not a future thing. Ready? The king has already come. Kingdom is Latin and it means the king's dominion. That's what it means. So, So what we're praying for is Lord, let the king come and have dominion. And when the king comes and the king actually has dominion over something, it changes everything. And so when we talk about when Jesus says, let thy kingdom come, what he's saying is, Lord, we invite you king to come have dominion. And we tend to think of God's kingdom coming in these future moments and go fix all of the world. Do you know what Jesus is referencing when he says, let thy kingdom come? He is talking about us right here. Out of all the places that God wants to live, he wants to live right here. So when he says, let thy kingdom come, let the king come have dominion, he is talking about our hearts. Thy kingdom come. And when the king comes and has dominion, things change. I told you about Nicaragua and the people who sniff glue. I'm gonna here to tell you something, that when the king comes, he absolutely changes things. When my wife and I moved there, I got to know a buddy of mine. His name was Juan Jose. He was a Nicaraguan pastor who, who had a, a wife and a beautiful little girl. And he spoke at our ministry several different times. And he was an awesome man of God. Juan Jose told me his story. He grew up in a broken home, didn't know his dad incredibly impoverished and he was one of the men who was living on the streets sniffing glue and drinking alcohol just to get by for 14 years he lived on the streets and for 14 years he was addicted to glue and addicted to alcohol and one day he happened to be walking by a church on a Sunday morning when praise music was happening and he said one of the men that was out there one of the greeters in the church saw him walking by and he was going to get out of the guy's way and he said the guy who was at the greeter of the church came up to where he was and didn't ask and just hugged him and he said it was the most awkward thing ever I reeked of all my stuff and he said the greeter just hugged him and the greeter said I would love to invite you inside so that you can know who we're worshiping and he said He hadn't been hugged by anybody in years. Living on the streets, one of the interesting things is that when you live on the street, no one looks you in the eyes anymore. They look away. And when you see homeless people on the side of the road begging or whatever it might be, those people who live on the streets, he said, this man looked him in the eyes and says, I invite you in. He went into church service on that day and there was a, it was worship. And there on that day, he gave his heart to the Lord. 14 years of living on the street He invited the king to come have dominion over his life. And not immediately, 
Over time, God began to move and move in his life. And then God called this man who had been living on the street for 14 years to start, to start a church and to become a pastor himself. And he found his wife in that church. And then God helped him launch his own church where he began doing ministry and reaching out to those who had been in the same place that he did. And he was one of the most amazing communicators. And God began to work in his life mightily. And when I met him, he had his wife and he had his daughter and he had his church. And his whole mission was this, that people would know that the king, that when he comes and has dominion, he makes everything better. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. You come have dominion in my life. Why? Because in a broken world, there is one who can fix all of our wounds. He can mend us and redeem us and transform us. And so the thing that we ask for, the thing that we desire, the thing that Jesus wants us to ask for is that the king would have dominion in us and over us. Thy kingdom come. Ready? Thy will be done. Here's the last question that I wanna ask. Oh, by the way, the kingdom come that come is in the Greek, I'll say this. It's past and continuing. His king, he has already come, but his kingdom is continuing onward. That's what that tense is like in the Greek. And I did not explain that well to y'all. So y'all can look that up on your own, hallelujah. All right, here's the last question. Are you ready for the Father's will in your life? Father knows best is the title of this message. God wants us to ask, and I'm here to tell you something. We ask for God's king, the kingdom to come into our life. It is the king who has dominion over in our life. And then Jesus says this, and let your will be done. This is where a lot of people just don't wanna move forward anymore. Because oftentimes the thing that God may want us to do is the thing that we don't wanna do. I'm gonna, there's the last story this is overseas in Nicaragua. I wanna show you a picture. This is of my daughter when she was little, and this is us at our ministry. Now, she is, and all the kids like played with her. They thought she was the coolest thing ever because of the little blonde curls, and so they're like, ah. Oh. She was like super, like all, the kids were all like super protected like, like this, because it was rowdy in there. My wife and I launched this organization back in 2009, and I had dreamed about being a missionary. That's what I studied in college, this was my degree. I wanted to do this, I wanted to believe in this, and I couldn't believe my wife and I were living overseas, and we had a ministry that reached out to, to children, to kids, and to, to students, and we worked with other local Nicaraguan churches so they could reach kids and students. My dream was alive. And then back in 2011, not long after this picture was taken, a church in the upstate asked asked if I would step in as interim senior pastor just for a couple of months. And I'm like, that makes no sense because I'm supposed to be overseas in Nicaragua. And as my wife and I prayed about it, we felt God say, no, Jeremy, I want you to go to the U.S. and step in as interim senior pastor. I said, but God, you don't know what you're doing. I know you never do that. You're perfect. Hallelujah. And God impressed it on our heart. No, Jeremy, I want you to go back. Now, let me show you another picture of ministry real quick. Ready? Here's, here's us in our ministry, what we were doing. We have kids everywhere. I mean, it was crazy. And, and the guy on stage and the chef's hat right there, I want you, you wanna talk about kingdom coming? That guy, his name was Paul Fazio. He was an accountant with Dr. Pepper, which by the way, glory to God, hallelujah, Dr. Pepper. Anyway, he was an accountant for Dr. Pepper. It's one of my favorite soft drinks. They don't sell it overseas. And so he was an accountant for Dr. Pepper. He made six figures a year and God called him to walk away from that job and to move to Nicaragua to serve kids. And he walked away from all of it and he moved to Nicaragua to get on stage and to wear a chef's hat. When the king comes and has dominion over your life, you may find yourself doing some crazy stuff. But when God's in it, you won't wanna be a part of anything else. So here he is on stage. I want you to know something though. I mean, let me give you one more picture. You have to understand, 
My dream was alive. We're reaching kids. We're doing all these things. But here's the thing. We needed money. And, and here we were. This is, this, is in, this is in the spring of 2011. In our ministry, we needed money to continue to reaching kids. And we didn't have money. And all of a sudden, God says, I want you to go serve as interim senior pastor. And I'm like, God, your timing is wrong. This makes no sense. I'm not supposed to do this. And God says, no, you're going to do it. I said, no, I don't want to do it. God says, you're going to do it. I said, Fine. So I accepted and my wife and I came back for several months into this area. By the way, the entire time we were in the US, I saw our missions bank account drain, 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 drain. And I said, God, do you understand that if money doesn't come in for the missions organization, we can't continue? It's, by the way, he's like, Jeremy, I've got you. Towards the end of my three months, it was right, it was actually right after, right after Father's Day, we were gonna hand the this, this church back over. We transitioned for several months. The church that made zero promises to us that we agreed to, that we agreed to do this uh, mission thing for, the pastor came to me and said, hey, thank you for stepping in. Can we take up a special offering for your organization? Is there something that we could buy for you guys? I said, we would love to buy a bus. I said, but we also don't have any money to continue the ministry. So we are, we're gonna have a bus, but know where to put it. So I was like, we need money. We just need money to survive. He said, it's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll just, let's take up an offering for a bus. I had pastored in this church for like three and a half months and I knew how much came in for tithes and offerings. And I was like, okay, we'll see if we get any kind of money to come in for a bus. They took up an offering before I went back and $36,000 came in in one offering that was last minute and unexpected. And I, I, by the way, the day before I was saying, I have no idea how I'm gonna pay to keep our ministry afloat. And when I was done being a senior pastor, an interim senior pastor in the US, when I was flying back to Nicaragua, I had $36,000. I had the money to buy a bus and $20,000 left over to run our ministry through the end of the year. And when I flew back, God said, Jeremy, trust me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May the king have dominion over you in such a way that when the father asks you to do something that maybe doesn't make sense to you, you say, okay, God, there it is. And by the way, that's one of the stories that gives me faith that when God asked me to do something crazy at renovation, do you know what I say? Okay, God, if you're in it, I'm in it. You know why? Because the father knows best. Can I tell you something? He knows best for you too. Ask him. It makes all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you because there's no one like you. I pray, Jesus, that as we go through this prayer series, that we would be people, all different backgrounds, places, different things, that would not be afraid, God, of asking you. Understanding, God, that you want us to ask you for things the best thing we could ever ask for is for you, the king, to show up in our lives and to have dominion over us and then that we would be ready and willing to follow your will in our life, that your kingdom would come in our life and that we would follow you and that we would trust you and I believe that when we do, we will see you do, Lord, things that we would never accomplish on our own. May we be men and women of faith believing that God, that you are ready and able. God, that you are 
the only one who can redeem and restore, who can satisfy, who can make new, that God, that you are good in all your ways. Your name is hallowed. Your name is worthy of all praise and glory and honor. And God, we thank you that you are able. May your kingdom come and may your will be done in our life today and tomorrow and the next day. And may we see it. We love you. We thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Everyone said? I love you guys. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray over you, for you, with you. Thank you to our prayer team. We love you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you guys next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.